You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Gastroenteritis Blues for another week. I'm Steve Lipman. I'm with Dan Volpone and Emily Anderson. Hello to both of you. It's another week. Wow. How are Hi. you, Emily? I'm doing good. Um, it's cold out, which I really enjoy. This is like You're my cold weather. weather person? Yeah, I thrive in the fall, I think. So I'm excited about the weather. Do you not like the summer? I do like the summer, but it's definitely not my favorite because I always say if you're cold, you can put another layer on. Right. If you are too hot at a certain point, you're screwed. So yeah, I prefer the cold. I hate walking outside and I'm like immediately sweating and then I go. So it, that I hate. I, yeah. So I prefer it to be cold. Dan, what's your take on this? <laughs> well, I see. I think fall is like nice as an idea. But I don't think it's what people think it is. I think this has been a particularly nice fall, and we've had, like, almost a full month of, like, 50s and 60s weather. But I feel like most years it's, like, four days, and then you just go from, like, 70 to, like, 30. Mm. You, but, you think it's, like, an extended winter more than it is a it's season of its own. Yeah, I, I feel like it's usually not so much of a season. And, like, people think about, like, the three nice days and, like, the leaves changing. <laughs> the and leaves, right. But right. the – one thing, like I'm enjoying the weather, but the like the getting dark at six thirty now, and I'm looking at the calendar, and like in two weeks that'll be five thirty. Really yeah. bums me out. Yeah. yeah, don't like it. What's the deal? Uh, this is Jerry Seinfeld, but like, what's the deal with the daylight savings? Who's in charge of it? Why do we need it? Do you, either of you know? I hate it. No. And what also, is, I'm pretty doing? sure some like time zones don't do it. Like Correct. it's only it's so it's very like arbitrary and it's yeah, just like Phoenix someone decide but who's in charge of the time zones I, that's what i'm dying to know like who's who, the czar of time zones who is making this decision i don't understand i don't know maybe I at like daylight saving time all the time yeah yeah like right. why i don't know but i do like when they change it so that when i leave to work leave for work because the way i drive the sun is blaring in my eyes the whole time so once it changes, the sun is like not as bright and I can see better. So that's, okay. I like that part. Well, all right. But I think right. that's more like an indication of my driving, not actually the time. Probably. Probably. I can't <laughs> see. It's not good. I'm wearing glasses More of an today, indictment so. on you driving blind. Yeah. Uh, no, I think, yeah. So some things actually happened in between last week and this week. Things happened. The Sixers hired Peter Dinwiddie. Uh, who's the as the vice president of basketball operations? He is the number two to Elton Brand now, uh, and Prosper Karangwa, 
He is the vice president of player personnel. Dinwiddie's from Indiana. Karangwa is from uh, the Orlando Magic. Lots of people have nice things to say about Dinwiddie. Um, he seems like especially, I don't know, well thought of around the league. Uh, you know, I'll find some quotes, but after the Sixers hired them, there, there were people complimenting them on that. It's sort of hard to talk about this without talking about Daryl Morey, who stepped down on Thursday from the Houston Rockets. So immediately all Sixers fans were dying for the Sixers to show interest in him or at least attempt to interview him. And a few days later, they added these guys. So how do you, how do you look at these two? What, what is your opinion on them? And is it possible to separate the two? Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that is going to be like kind of a, the big takeaway is that they're obviously not getting Maury now. Right. Um, I, I, guess, I guess the main thing besides that is that Alex Rucker is no longer in his old job because um, Peter Dinwiddie's new title is VP of Basketball Operations, which was Alex Rucker's job. So I guess they're going to, you know, move him, move his office to a different building, like the Eagles did to Howie Roseman back yep, in the day. Exactly. Um, which, and again, like I always say, I don't know Alex Rucker or anything about him, but I'm glad he's gone. Um, right. I've never heard of either of these guys. I, I hope he's related to Spencer. And I mean, Prosper is a cool name. So Prosper is an excellent name. I was going to say that too. Yeah. Emily's looking at her notes and it's like Prosper is a cool name. And then Dan takes it and you're like, well, what is my... That's all I have. Like... <laughs> make some fun about it. I'm not, I don't get make puns. What do you think, Emily? Um, well, off of what Dan said, but no, I mean, yeah, I don't really know anything about these guys as much as I like to say I follow basketball and like front office stuff is interesting to me. I really can only have enough space in my head for the Sixers front office because they're, they take up a lot of, you know, cap space in my head. So I, I'm not paying attention to the magic or the Pacers front office too much. I do find it interesting that this man's last name is Dinwiddie. Like, is that like a like a basketball last name? Like I, it's not very common. And I've never heard like, it ever before. And now and it's we like know all over people. the right. NBA. So I think that's interesting. But that has nothing to do with his qualifications <laughs> as a VP of basketball operations. But the Sixers haven't made any announcements about like Alex Rucker's new position or whether he's been fired. They're just like someone has your job and now he's like floating in no man's land. My guess is that they're going to put out a press release with everybody, like everybody that's hired and then the updates of every, all the other assholes. So yeah. uh, the, the athletic had a piece about Peter Dinwiddie last year about, he started in like the ticket office and then he worked his way out of the ticket office and up into the front office. And by then he was like a, a guru when it comes to the, the uh, CBA, whatever. So that was like a flowery piece about him. Bob Kravitz wrote that uh, the Pacers are losing one of the smartest young guys in pro basketball. As for the Sixers' current people, uh, Kyle Newbeck tweeted that Alex Rucker is going to be reassigned within the organization and the title and role is to be determined. While Ned Cohen will continue in his role as assistant general manager, uh, a team source says. I do want to point out that actually friend of the podcast, Keith Pompey had this first, like Keith did tweet about Dinwiddie and Karangwa before uh, it seems like everybody else did. So good, good work by him. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's good. If the more, if Maury hadn't stepped down, I would feel more positive about these two probably like new guys, like new guys who are going to have input. The old guys are not going to have input. 
I don't understand why they're unfireable. I'll never understand that. But like, essentially it's what we wanted. We wanted to get those guys out of there to like define the roles, which is like clearly Elton has final say and he has two new guys who are going to help him with it. But when Daryl Morey becomes available and the Sixers, like, on one hand, maybe Morey was like, absolutely fucking not. I'm not going to, like, work for Josh Harris. Not interested. I, I think that if that was the case, though, there would be a leak about the Sixers are interested in Morey. Morey said no. Th- like, it would be good enough PR for them to be even interested in him and be turned down by him. You know, I don't think they, they were interested. Exactly. I don't yeah. think that they wanted to hand over the full keys to, to a guy, which is mind-boggling. I mean, they're in the middle of like a war on analytics right now. So, All right. so we have to talk about that. <laughs> I, have we talked about this before? Because in a few Keith Pompey articles, he's mentioned like the Sixers want to revamp the front office. They feel that they relied too much on analytics to make trades and signings in the – like <laughs> – What's going on? Like, what analytics said to sign Al Horford or trade for Tobias and sign? T- like, I don't. They really are leaking all these things. Like, we hate nerds. They ruin the franchise. Like, I don't. Th- that's the most worrying thing for me. Emily, what do you think? Well, the problem with this argument is that, like, if you're a basketball scout and you were saying, like, oh, like, it's the intangibles. Like you're watching something you played, you see something in someone, but like analytics, you can't argue with and you can't like hide them. Like it's math. So so like when you're saying like the analytics, we relied on analytics to make these bad trades, like everyone in the fan base also knows these analytics and you're like, well, they told us this wasn't good and you did it anyway. So do you just not understand them? Like, is that the problem that the people in your front office don't understand what the numbers are saying? Because no one made these numbers up like they're real. So Rucker is a big analytics guy. So people have sort of said that this is a way to like villainize Rucker because he was the main analytic guy. Like maybe he's a moron, but that doesn't mean that the numbers are the problem. You know what I mean? It doesn't like... It just seems like misplaced and, and like such a backwards organization in 2020 to be like, we need guys that watch the games and don't know the stats. Like, I, I just, I think that's so simplistic. And like maybe Rucker reads them wrong, but then it's not, it's not a problem with the analytics. It's the problem with Rucker. So exactly. like they're phrase, I don't know, they're phrasing it wrong, but like it doesn't look good for them because people can look at the numbers themselves like it's not something that it's like intuitive it's a number and and i mean dinwiddie doesn't seem like an anti-analytics hire like he seems rather new age and so maybe maybe that is just like bullshit that they're putting in the media to make rucker look bad and you know the hire doesn't if they hired like rod thorne then i would be like oh my god they hate numbers but I, i don't know dan what do you think well i mean i would say i'm sure they they're using analytics that we don't have available to us like they're not using like PIPM or something like they have, yeah. they have, but like, I'm sure other teams are using something very similar, if not the same. And so everyone is using this info. It's not like the Sixers were the analytics team. Every team uses analytics. The right. teams who win use analytics. Every team in every sport uses numbers because they're a helpful way to understand the game. I mean, like Emily said, like people can get it wrong, right? So like two people can look at the same thing and come to a different conclusion about what it means, but that's still not a problem with the numbers. It's like the issue is not that you have them. Maybe the issue was that 
Alex Rucker is a moron or something. Right. But it's it's not the it's not the numbers that and also just I have a hard time believing that any number that was spit out led a normal person to be like, Yeah, let's go uh pay Tobias Harris hundred and eighty right. million dollars. Right. No, like right. that's nonsense. Not I mean, the numbers' fault. It's not their fault. I mean, Horford and Tobias also, like, given what we know and what we know of the analytics, are not like super analytic friendly players. Like, it's not like they have this giant. Horford you know, kind of is. I like, if you compare of. what what his what his like advanced stats were showing this year, that's true. Versus what fans mm-hmm. thought of his production, which was like he was pretty much viewed as a big minus, and the numbers said otherwise. Which I, I mean. Like, they're not perfect. I would disagree. Yeah, I know. It's hard, it's hard because you can sort of pick and choose, like, which you want to put put weight in. You know, like, those those lineups with Simmons and Beat and Horford were bad, but, like, Horford as a backup center was good. It's just, like, you know, sort of from an, from a, from an asset allocation standpoint, it's really bad. So the other thing, well, the departures were that uh, the Sixers lost Phil Jabor. Anybody a fan? to uh, the Sacramento Kings and Sergey Oliva to the uh, Utah Jazz. Those guys were apparently hired by Hinky, so uh, they're gone. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how good it is to keep somebody like Rucker, if they really hate him, in the building. Like, maybe it won't matter. Maybe they'll just, like, have him there until he gets a new job, which seems to be, like, what they want to do is just, like, get rid of people when they can find other work, but, like, I don't know. It, it seems like, you know, when Doug Collins left the franchise, he didn't get fired. He stepped down and then took on an advisory role. Like, it, it seems like very much this ownership group to, to not want to actually fire people, except for fucking Brett, who they fired right away. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I mean, the Maury thing is a real bummer to me because I was like, I knew that they weren't going to fire Elton, but if they brought him in to be the president of basketball operations, I mean, if he was okay with Elton, which maybe he, you know, wouldn't do it without full autonomy. Um, I just feel like if they were interested at all, we would have heard about it, and they clearly weren't. And it's like, he's such a, like, undeniably really good executive in the league, and they just, they have so much faith in Elton, you know, or, or they just don't want to do the hard thing. You know, I can't really tell which I one. think it's that one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but it's not good. Um, hey, here's an ad. We're back. Uh, all right. So I guess we'll go into the most likely game and then we'll have uh, some sort of around the league stuff and, uh, and whatever. Can I say about the Eagles today? I think they're going to win. This, I this, like I, it. I'm going to put it on the record. By the time uh, you hear this, they will have already lost. But I think they're going to win. There are going to be fans in the stadium. Uh, Baltimore is playing really well, and it's a trap game. And, uh, yeah, what do you think, Emily? Um, I'm a little nervous about the about the about them you saying they're going to win. Just <laughs> the, I don't know about that, but I would like it if they did. And um, I think they'll like having people in the stands. I know a couple people who are going. Oh, cool. Um, so fun for them, I guess. I'm not one of them. And I hope they win. Dan? Yeah, I would feel better about the uh, trap game win if it were a night game because then you would have then you'd have all the analysts on TV before the game picking the Ravens and anytime it's unanimous the other team wins. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And um, yeah. 
I just I think they're gonna win. Um, all right, most likely game. It's I'm judging Dan versus Emily. Uh, the first question. Uh, Dan, heads or tails? Heads. It was tails. Emily okay. is gonna have the first question. Uh, here we go. Which sixer is most likely to love the movie Mean Girls? Mm, okay. Let's look for a second. I'm doing research. This is really good radio. <laughs> 2004 it came out. So everyone was alive. So that's good. I, I mean, you yes. have to check. But 2004, you had to be at least like 12 to like Mean Girls. 92. I got to put someone who likes Mean Girls at around 27, 28. I don't know that, you know, Furcon has seen Mean Girls. Wow. So I am going to say... Norvell Pell really likes Mean Girls. He's 27 years old, which I was puts say, him he's in sneaky old. Yeah, I forgot. He he's is 27. sneaky old. Yeah. Um, I think he seems like a goofy kind of guy. I think he has a really nice smile, and I just like to picture Norvell Pell mm. laughing at Mean Girls. It's a good image in my mind. Norvell Pell. Dan. Yeah, so I'll I'll say Tobias. He's he's around like the age to like it and he's he's very close with Matisse even though you know I feel like Matisse is is closer than anyone on the team to the age of the people in Mean Girls so he likes the like the youthfulness of the, of the <laughs> that sounds really creepy <laughs> yeah. just give it to Emily what a weird answer <laughs> all right Emily gets it I you know I thought I was really going to consider it until you got into how much he likes the youthfulness um <laughs> <laughs> All right, Emily's up 1-0. Uh, Dan gets this question first. Which Sixer is most likely to hate dogs? Oh, God. To hate dogs. Okay. Uh, All right, I'm going to say Al Horford. There it is. I don't think he's fun enough to like dogs. And he's just kind of like, I feel like, you know, dogs get really excited. And he's just kind of the guy to like... <laughs> Bring you back down to earth when you're really excited. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Emily? So that's hard. As we know, I love dogs. I talk about my dog all the time. But I'm going to say Zaire Smith because I think he's allergic to dogs. <laughs> Every game, there, somebody's going to play the Zaire card. Uh, I will say I, the answer in my head was Horford, so I have to say it's Horford. Just because right. it's a bad quality, and I like to bestow all bad qualities onto him. Uh, which Sixer is most likely to develop male, male pattern baldness? Emily, you can begin. Okay. So I'm going to rule out people who are already bald, a.k.a. like Kyle O'Quinn. Yes, uh, yeah, he is bald, yeah. And Al Horford, although I think he shaves his head. Yeah. Um... I'm, this is weird. I'm going to, and I feel like I'm using all of the chalk answers early, which is it going to bode well for me in the end. <laughs> I know who this is. <laughs> I'm going to say Brokoff. Just looking at his face, I can like picture in like three or four years, just like a small, like bald patch in the back. <laughs> and I can just like picture it growing a little bit more every season. So that's what I'm going to go with. It's a tough one. Dan, how do you respond? I'm going to go with Ben Simmons. Mm. I think he has very nice hair for now, but for now. <laughs> he's just spending too much time with LeBron James. 
And mm. I feel like that kind of thing, like maybe it's like some kind of hormonal thing. And like when you spend time with people and they're going bald, <laughs> then next thing you know, like you're going bald. It's like, uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's like passed along. Yeah, um, that's good. And you should definitely bring that up in med school interviews because <laughs> when you talk about how you can catch male pattern baldness, they'll really like it. Um, I think the broke off card wins on that one. I think that okay. I, I can, I can so picture him like, playing bass guitar with the ball spot. Uh, <laughs> Emily two, Dan one. Uh, this question goes to Dan first. Which sixer is most likely to use an Android? Mm. An Android. Okay, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna take the time to check their Twitters because that would be boring. But oh, I think like we, we could, could like probably find an answer yeah. to this. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm, mm, okay. I'm gonna go with, with Embiid. I was going to go with Embiid. Damn it. Wow. So, now I feel good about this. Uh, <laughs> I know. I should have said, like, that's a terrible answer. <laughs> I'm going to go with Embiid because I feel like, well, one, he's not from, from the U.S., mm -hmm. so which I feel like is part of it because, like, I think Androids are more popular in other countries. No idea if Cameroon is one of those. Um, but also, I think he's just, like, he kind of like does things differently. So like everyone has an iPhone. He doesn't need an iPhone. You know, he, he doesn't care about the, uh, his friends not including him in group chats or anything like that. You know, he's just, he likes that his phone like can do some kind of tech thing that none of us have ever heard of. So I'm going to go for him, with Embiid. I do just want to say, I don't think we brought up uh, Embiid uh, and Anne's dog died. And I just, we send sure our so. collective condolences. We can't talk about it. It's awful. I mean, if you've yeah, had a dog die before, it's like the worst fucking thing. So yeah, we're so sorry to hear that. Klaus seemed like such a wonderful dog. And yeah. For yeah, sure. very sad about that. Okay, Emily. Okay. Um, How do you like that lead in where I talk about a dead dog and then go, Emily, do <laughs> I know. After I just talked about how much I like dogs. Right, and right. It's so every, sad. Yeah. yeah. I cried at work when I saw it. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. It's so sad. I know. And then they had like a memorial for him, and like she was posting all the pictures with the big brother bandana. It was Ugh. a lot. Oof. Just to bring everyone further down, it's fine. <laughs> okay, Android people who do have who have Androids do like to talk about how they do things that iPhones don't do. That is true. Right. That's all they my have. Fia my fiance has one, and he's like the tech power on this Google phone, and I'm like, <laughs> he's gonna listen to this and be like come down and be like the tech power though <laughs> what is the tech power i don't, I don't know i don't know i don't understand it either got it um this is once again really interesting i'm okay. gonna go i'm gonna go with kyle quinn oh no i'm lying i'm not i'm going with al horford because he's old and he i don't like androids and like you said we like to put bad things on al horford <laughs> so i'm gonna go with him um, I, yeah, I, I, I think it's Embiid, so I'll give it to Dan. Uh, he seems like he does things in a quirky way, and, uh, I, but I do appreciate the effort on, on Horford and that you burned Kylo Quinn in the process. You know, I'm striking out this episode. It's fine. Well, now it's 2-2, two -two, I think, right? It is 2-2. Yeah. Two -two. yeah. All right. Which I just mean with my general being. Oh, you mean life. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. <laughs> Which sixer is most likely to miss Brett Brown this season? Um, okay, that's me. 
it's not Josh Richardson, that's for sure. <laughs> Certainly not. Um, I mean, this isn't a fun answer, but I think Joel is the answer. Do you know, Brett was there for him all those seasons he couldn't play. He was there for him. He was like, Hinky was Joe's number one. And then I think Brett was his number two. He was there with him for all the stuff with his brother. Mm-hmm. Once again, a really happy, funny answer. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go with Joel. Dan? Yeah, so I, I think Embiid was ready for Brett to, to move on. I think he was ready for a new coach. But the one, the one person, assuming he's not traded, who will miss Brett the most is Mike Scott mm. because there's no way Doc Rivers has this commitment <laughs> to keep him in the lineup like Brett did. I mean, it's just, it's inexplicable. The fact that he played so much this past season, he was horrible all year. And so with Brett gone, he's just not going to get minutes anymore. Yeah. You know, after the season ended, there were, they were asking him beat about Brett and he was basically saying like, I don't, I'm not the general manager. He said Brett's going to be a friend for life, so regardless of what happens, et cetera. Um, I like the Mike Scott angle. Um, but I feel like he did fall out of the rotation at the end. Emily, Emily gets that one. Wow. Thanks. Emily's up three to two, trying to close it out here. Uh, Dan gets this question first. Which sixer is most likely to drink a four loco? For those of you who don't know, uh, at least when I was in college, those were around. Uh, Four loco is uh, a combination of kerosene and lighter fluid, and <laughs> it gets you really drunk. So yeah. All right, most likely to drink four loco. Um, Dan, did you right. know what a four loco was? Do you know? Is that like a thing still? Yeah, but they're different now. They're like legal yeah. now. Yeah, they don't yeah, kill you anymore. Because at one point they were recalled, right? They were, like, killing too many people. <laughs> yeah. The, it's the not one, funny, but... They're, like... From from what I've heard, I've only had one flavor of Flor Loco, and I've been told that all the other flavors are garbage, so I was told just to try this one. And the the watermelon is kind of, like, it's bearable. You know, like, well, it's not the worst. Right. The thing, they taste very fruity, at least from my uh, memory. They taste very fruity, and by the end of... It, you've you've completely lost all bearings on your night. So, yeah, that's what I remember. All right. I'm going to go with Josh Richardson. Okay. I, I think he, like, like he's just he's, – he's still, like, fairly young. Like, I think he's, he's the right age to have, like, been drinking them when he was in, like, high school slash college. And he's, I still feel like he's a guy who, like, likes to get, like – I don't know. Like, I feel like he, he would get wasted one night. Like, mm-hmm. he's just, he seems like a guy you want to, like, ha- have around at a party or something. Like, he just seems like a fun guy. So, yeah. I feel like Josh could, Josh could have a four loco. Emily? I think that's a good answer. Um, however, I can't say the same answer. So, I won't. <laughs> um, I'm going to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Neto because I think he's from I mean I know he's from Brazil not I think and that's a you know carnival and like they're big partiers down there and so I think Neto if he goes home and he's with his friends from growing up and his family I think he likes to turn up a little bit so I'm gonna go with Neto 
I like the effort. I think that Josh is the end. I actually hadn't thought of Josh, and I think he's a perfect answer for it. He seems like was, a, he has a fun time still. Yeah, I was going to say Josh, too. He keeps the stealing Sixers my answer. don't have a great team for this question. A lot of them are too reserved or, yeah. or, or they're Al Horford. It's not great. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, final question. Game seven. Emily is up. Yep, ready to lose on this one. Here we go. Great. Which Sixer is most likely to deny ever being on the Sixers? Okay. To deny ever being on the Sixers. Let's see. I'm going to go – this is an unpopular answer, but in my gut – and I know it's, like, not possible for this person to deny being on the Sixers, but I'm going to go with Ben Simmons. I know, I know, unpopular answer. I don't really think he likes being on the Sixers. I don't think he really likes, does he hang out with his teammates? Do we see him around them ever? He moved to New Jersey. I just don't, I think he would rather be somewhere where all of this like front office garbage isn't happening. I think he wants to be somewhere where he's like the number one star but I also think he'll be here for a really long time, and I don't think, like, he's going to demand a trade or anything. But I just think if he had his choice, he would be on another team. I'm going with Ben Simmons. That was wild. I did not <laughs> It was. Holy shit. But when I was like, what is my gut telling me? Ben Simmons is what it told me. Wow. Dan, how do you respond? <laughs> so are you guys familiar with Sigmund Freud? Yeah, like yes. Freudian – yeah, the psychologist. Yeah. Is he so, the one? No, no, that is an. Is he the Oedipus complex guy too? Where like, uh, people yeah. love their moms. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so he has a this concept. It's called repression, where a thought. I'm gonna. I'm reading it off of Google right now. Right. <laughs> a thought, memory, or feeling is too painful for an individual, so the person unconsciously pushes the information out of consciousness. He becomes unaware of its existence. Now, Zaire Smith uh, had an allergic reaction possibly given to him by the team. And it's so painful that he cannot even remember being on the team. He's unaware of it. Wow. I mean, Emily, (laughs) I really thought that it was a ballsy answer to say Simmons hates the Sixers. Um, <laughs> I think our fan base will absolutely despise that. But I, I, re- I liked it. I liked it a lot. But you weren't on Sigmund Freud's Wikipedia page. Dan was. Really wonderful, wonderful job. Uh, Dan is the winner of this. Yeah. Really, Dan could have gone with Zaire or Brokov and won with that question. Yeah, it exactly. You could play either card, and Dan had both of them. He had and, both uh, of them. I yeah. used them too early. Uh, all right. Well, that was great. Uh, very happy with how that turned out. <laughs> Is the uh, title of this episode, Ben Simmons Hates the Sixers? I, no, I, w- I would <laughs> never write that. I can't do it. I don't want the replies. Uh, all right. Yeah. Ian Begley, who is I'll a New York reporter, uh, he reported that the Sixers are one of, t- one of three teams currently vying for Chris Paul. Uh, Dan is very on the record loving Chris Paul and hoping that we get him. I don't know, you know, the Doc Rivers thing. Uh, we've talked about this before, but I, I think that's in a, as good a place now where they wouldn't be, like, prohibitive, like, we wouldn't work together. Um, 
somebody reported that uh, OKC wants young players and picks, which is like a thing the Sixers could provide them with. They just need to include a giant salary, but they have those. Um, that any change in your stance on uh, Chris Paul, Dan? No, I mean, I, I feel the same. And I, I looked at, at like what you were talking about. The other two teams, I think, were the Knicks and the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that, I mean, the Bucks can put together a package that's not surrounded, like, it's not centered on an albatross contract. Like, they, it would be everyone saying blood. So, but I've heard that the Bucks are, like, less interested in Chris Paul. There's, there's been, like, I mean, I don't have sources. I've just heard that around. Like, they're not as interested in going after him. And I think it just doesn't make a ton of sense for the Knicks, really. I mean, they're not, they're not winning anytime soon. So, I think, you know, it makes me feel good. And I, I feel the same way. I hope, we, I hope we do what it takes to get him because he's our, he's our shot. Yeah, I mean, the Knicks would just be a – that would just be them, like, getting a famous guy. Like, that's yeah. – as if they, if they trade for Chris Paul or if they trade for Westbrook. Uh, it would be like, this is not because this is a foundational piece. It's because we want, like, somebody who the league cares about on the team. Um, they don't have that. I don't feel like the Knicks have really any young players that OKC would be that interested in. Like, Matisse feels like such, an, such a thunder player uh, in that he's such a good defender and has all this potential. And uh, Mitchell Robinson is good. But, I, you know, so I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too worried about the Knicks um, for both of those reasons. Emily, anything on Chris Paul? No, I think the same things that I've said apply here. Matisse, I've never really thought about Matisse on the Thunder, and I kind of like it for him, but I don't want to lose him, but I, I can see it too. Yeah, I heard, my, I heard Mike Levin say that, like, the problem with trading Matisse is that the second we trade him, he's going to become Kawhi. And it's like, that would be such a Sixers thing. It's like, right now – He's a really fun defender, and he makes a lot of fun videos, but he doesn't do anything offensively that you're really worried about. But he would just progress so rapidly, and uh, the second we trade yeah. him, which is – but so would anybody else we trade. Like, if we trade Shake, he's going to become Jason Kidd. Doesn't doesn't matter. That's just sort of an inevitable when we make a trade. Uh, Dave Yeager joined Doc Rivers' staff. He's a former yeah. head coach of the Grizzlies and the Kings. Um, the Knox, you know, he was an initial candidate for the head coaching job here and actually in Indiana too. The knocks on him have been sort of his personality that he's had trouble with the front offices that he's worked with in those previous two stops. Uh, but a lot of people say that he's a fairly innovative coach in terms of the sets that he runs and he always runs good defenses. Um, I, I, I'm happy to, I don't really worry so much about uh, his issues with like the front office then, you know, um, uh, as an assistant coach, I wouldn't really uh, be too worried about it. Uh, yeah. So I'm happy to have him on the staff. What do you think, Dan? Yeah. I mean, well, to, to start off with the fees, I, I hope, I hope he just yells at everyone in our front office because, because I mean, Emily's gone. Emily's gone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope, I hope, I hope he, he bullies them because they, they, they need it. Um, and then I, like, I just remember being very surprised when Sacramento let him go. And then they, cause they had a, they overperformed in, in a huge way in his, in his right. last season there. And was that his only season there? I think so. Yeah, that, I think they went about 500 that year and nobody expected them to be anything close to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when he left and they hired Luke Walton, they stunk again. So, right. I mean, I, 
I think in he's kind of proven that he he is a good coach. Like he's gotten he's gotten results out of out of pretty unimpressive teams. And yeah, I, like in terms of the front office, yeah, like go go ahead. Don't, how no one's gonna get along with this front office? They're horrible. <laughs> um, some people were because in Sacramento he had a couple run-ins with Buddy Heald. So a couple people were like, well, say goodbye to Buddy Heald on the set. Like, I don't think that that's how they're going to do that. I don't think that they're going to be like, well, Buddy didn't like this assistant coach we now have. So I don't think we can go trade. Like, I feel like if, if, if yeah. they want to get Buddy Heald, if Buddy Heald wants to come here and they have a trade that works for both teams, they're just going to do that trade. Like, I, Buddy yeah. Heald is I, not going to direct where he's going enough that he doesn't like an assistant coach. I think people very much overestimate the importance of like any kind of past relationship in terms like where players are going to go. And also like the power of like a a fine player on a big contract, like he's not going to have the say. And, and it's, I don't think it met, like there's been a lot of fixation on like Chris Paul and Doc Rivers. Like that one's more understandable because the head coach and an an all-star player but like right now, we're talking about a role player and an assistant coach who didn't get a, like maybe did, but like Buddy Heald has had falling outs with multiple coaches. Right. So I mean, not saying it's his fault. I don't know any of the details. But like, it's not like Dave Dave uh, Yeager was like a particularly bad like. It's, it's just not what's going to drive the conversation. Like it, it it's just going to come down to whether or not they can agree on the trade. Like I have, right. I think that zero of that conversation will be like the Sixers new Dinwiddie guy being like, well, Buddy Heald and, his, and this assistant coach we had, you know, again, I, I just don't think it's going to matter. So I think they'll trade for him if they can trade for him and it works, you know. Uh, Emily, you're yeah. back. Uh, what do you have to say about no. anything on Dave Yeager? Um, no, because I don't know what was said because my internet is garbage. You missed but it. You're going to have to listen to this episode. I'm going to listen. I mean, I always listen, but... <laughs> I think it's good that we got him. Like, there's a chance he was a head coach. Now we have Doc Rivers and him, so it can't be a bad thing. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing that I don't think we've talked much about is, like, Josh Richardson trade ideas. Uh, a lot of people – I like Josh. Like, I really think that the Sixers fans would love him if he didn't have to be the only guard in an offense. Like, he just didn't stand a chance. Like, he's not that good of an offensive player at all. But, like – he seems like a guy that plays on winning teams and like helps teams win. Uh, you know, he has one year left on his contract. The Sixers aren't going to go further into the tax to extend him next year. So it seems like it would make a lot of sense. His contract's like 10 million too. It seems like it would make a lot of sense for them to trade him for a guard who's better at offense and better at, you know, shooting and making plays and all that. Two of the uh, candidates that I've seen thrown around are Spencer Dinwiddie and Seth Curry. Um, they're different players. Seth Curry's like a pretty elite gravity, like catch and shoot player, while Dinwiddie's like good in the at uh, isolation and pick and roll, and uh, he can get really hot. What do you guys think about either of them? Um, Emily, you start. Um. I would be fine with either of them personally. I really, I love watching Spencer Dinwiddie play. So I would love to have him on the Sixers for no reason other than I really enjoy watching him play. Like, I don't know what the fit would be like. I don't, but I just enjoy him. And He's always but, killed the Sixers. Yeah. yeah. It's the, it, but then it's like the Al Horford <laughs> argument, like get the players that kill your team and then they turn to garbage. So right. maybe it's not the best idea. 
Um, and yeah, Seth Curry, obviously we could use shooting. So that is super helpful to those experts. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I would definitely be thrilled to get Dinwiddie for Josh. Um, I, Seth Curry, fine. Uh, I'm not a big Josh guy. He's, he, he's really frustrating. And I know you like, yeah, you have a point. Like he's, he's not in his ideal role, but his ideal role is probably not realistically going to be something a guard can have on the Sixers for uh, sure. with, with this team. And I, I'm, I'm so sick of watching him throw the ball away. It's like, he was, I, I like, I think he was a big reason. It's not like I'm making it sound like it's his fault, but like, the fact that he couldn't do more than he did was a big reason this team was so painful to watch this year. Yeah. So Spencer Dinwiddie can do the things that he couldn't do that we really needed. You know, he's a decent shooter and he's, he's can handle the ball, can create. And I would, yeah, I mean, even if we got Chris Paul, just to have a second true guard, like a non-Simmons player who can, you know, who can do something on offense that, doesn't have to be done for them they can do things for others that would be huge i think like i would i would still do it yeah the thing about josh and tobias are similar in that they're very slow decision makers and they dribble a lot so that became part you know the sixers need guys who will shoot quick or make a play and uh i love dinwood i think dinwiddie's really good and like uh the he he's his skill set i just wrote about this his skill set is a bit redundant with kyrie irving so you know, as they get healthy over there and they don't really have any guard defenders. They don't have, you know, like Harris Levert is another ball handler guy who's not a good defender. So it seems like that would be a a reasonable swap. So uh, we'll see. I think that he would be a great, like bridge the gap guy with Simmons and Embiid. Um, Somebody, I think Jay Williams tweeted about the Sixers trading like Embiid for Andrew Wiggins. Obviously that's an insane thing to even think, but People have brought up lately because, uh, uh, you know, the Warriors are going to be back to contending this year and they don't have any bigs. And the West has a lot of good bigs. You know, they brought up the possibility of like a Horford for Wiggins trade. I want to be on the record. I think Wiggins stinks. And like as badly as I want Horford off the Sixers, I actually wouldn't do that one. So uh, what do you think, Dan? I wouldn't do it either. I mean, his his contract's worse. It's longer. Um, He's... He's also like, like Horford was the guy who like stunk and went to the bench and like didn't whine about it. And yeah. Wiggins is the guy who played on a team with Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns and publicly complained about being the third option. Right. Like he was like, I think I should have I should have the ball more on offense. Yeah. Like, like keep him away. I he's I don't want to watch him. I don't want to. It's not. I'm not trying to say he's like. He's like like a, a diva or whatever, like you know words like people use to like describe athletes they don't right, like. Right. I I don't know about him as a person. He seems like a fine person in general, but just as as a teammate, I'm not particularly interested in having him around. What's already kind of like a, a strange fit situation where it's like who is are, are people going to have the roles they really want? And like you already know he's not. So, Emily, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I don't really want any part of Andrew Wiggins so I'll take a pass on that one yeah I I, it doesn't seem like he solves any of the problems that they have too like he's not (laughs) some great shooter he's not a guard he's not like he would just be another big wing that like 
we don't, it doesn't help me at all. Like I'd rather just have Horford play backup center if we have to do that. I, you know, I think they're going to be able to find something else and get off of him. But if it's Wiggins or keep him, I'd rather just keep him another year and, and see what you can do with the deadline. Maybe. Yeah. Um, Keith Pompey again, waiting to hear back. He might come on the podcast. We'll see. Uh, he mentioned Rajon Rondo as a guy who the Sixers should bring in. Uh, Rondo just won a ring with the Lakers uh, last weekend. Uh, I, I really thought that he was sort of – he's been, I think, an asshole in, in a lot of different stops that he's been to since Boston. Um, but clearly in L.A. on a LeBron James team, he was able to be incredibly useful, and he ended up being like their third best player in the finals. Uh, do you have any thoughts on, on, you know, Rondo can't shoot. So adding another ball handler who can't shoot seems an odd fit. Um, you know, there's a doc rivers connection. I don't remember if they're on good terms or not. I don't, I don't remember that at all. Uh, Emily, what do you think about Rajon Rondo? Um, yeah. So since he can't shoot and it would be a pretty not good fit for the Sixers, that means they'll probably do it. <laughs> So, but yeah, I'm not interested in a potentially difficult teammate for the Sixers team, especially when I think with the Lakers, whatever you think about LeBron, I think he's a really good leader and everyone, because he's LeBron, really falls in line behind him. But the Sixers don't have that person. And because Rondo would be one of the older people on the team, I don't want him to think that that person is then him. Right, right. And that's what I would be fearful of, just on a personnel, like, chemistry level, but also a basketball level, he doesn't fit with the team. So, no, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, great Connect Four player. Um, is that true? Which is, yeah, he's, like, apparently whole, like, I'll have to find it, but, like, I read this thing where, like, like he'll just have, like, a bunch of people sitting around him and, like, he'll play, like, all these games at once. And he'll just, like, he'll what? beat everyone. Like, he's just, like, sees – he's, like, a, he, like, super smart. He, like, sees things. Like, he sees all the, like, moves that would happen before they happen. Wow. What a fun he's fact. He's, like, incredible. Yeah. So, that – in that sense, that's pretty cool. But, <laughs> but with everything Emily said, which is also true and more relevant to, to the Sixers than Connect Four, I would say I'm not interested. <laughs> When we start a professional Connect Four league, I will draft Rondo with number one pick. Yeah, that's a good. But we're not there yet. That's so. what really matters. Um, all right, I think we did it. I'm happy to see you guys. Um, it's good to see you, and uh, I'll see you next week. Any? Does anybody have anything else? Oh, um, I wanted to say that Prosper Karangwa. I googled him. He's handsome. Oh, oh. I, yeah, I did too. Great. Well, Dinwiddie is not so. No. <laughs> because I was really hoping to break news on the podcast, so I linked in everybody because I was hoping like Alex Rucker had like switched his title, but right. they didn't. So yeah. they all say they're old jobs, but I'll keep checking and maybe we'll break news. But prosperous good looking. Yes. Yeah. That's big. All right. Well then he's our guy. Then that's like our person. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Get him on the him podcast. Now. Yeah. Oh, see? Yeah. Uh, we'll schedule him after broke off and after Keith. All right, guys. Perfect. Creep him out so bad. Good to see you guys. <laughs> Bye. See you next week.
to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.